In this episode, I talk to Fiona Murphy, who is the editor of Cover Magazine. It's an interesting look behind the scenes, how they collect news stories, how they commission articles and analysis, and how they divide content between the print and online versions and the soon-to-be-launched mobile app. Listen to Fiona's views on how we can push positive protection stories and how you can get involved. That's all right here in episode 60 of the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. Welcome, you're listening to the podcast for financial services professionals looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of marketing, protection and finance. For each episode, you can find the show notes and links to things we talked about at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF. So let's get on with the show and here's your host, Roger Edwards. Hello and welcome to the Empath Podcast. Here we are at episode number 60. We're well on our way to 100 episodes now and as always I want to thank you for your support and for your feedback. Thanks for plugging me and my guests once again into your earphones. Before we get to that interview with Fiona Murphy, here's a shout out for Pete Matthew, who you all know as the host of the Meaningful Money podcast. Pete's just won an award for the best UK podcast at the UK Podcast Awards, which was held at the New Media Europe Conference last weekend. So congratulations, Pete. Anyone who listens to Pete's excellent podcast will agree that this win was well-deserved. If you enjoy listening to the Empath Podcast, can I ask you to share it with one or two colleagues or friends? Spreading the word is the best way to build up the audience and ensure I can attract great guests who want to share their ideas and inspiration with you. Cover Magazine is a publication I've had a long association with both as a writer and a presenter at their summit. So I'm delighted to welcome Fiona Murphy onto the show. Fiona is a journalist and the editor of Cover Magazine, which is a specialist protection publication from Incisive Media. So let's get into that interview right here on the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. Fiona, welcome to the Empath Podcast. Thank you very much, Roger. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you so much for taking the time to Skype me tonight. Most of the podcasts I do are early in the morning, so this one is eating into your personal time. It's fine. It's a real pleasure. I know that we've been wanting to do this for quite a while. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting conversation. There's a lot to talk about. I want to explore things like what it's like to be the editor of a trade publication, how you get stories, and of course, we want to talk about things like the uh, the cover forum as well and the uh, and the cover uh, awards dinner but before we get to that Fiona why not tell everyone who's listening a little bit about yourself where have you come from where are you going and, and basically what makes you tick okay cool so I think as a starting point I kind of tell you about how I became a financial journalist okay so I think I always want to be a journalist like even when I was really little um that was the thing that I wanted to do I was always had sort of a notepad and 
pen in my hand and I used to love things like um do you remember the, the new adventures of Superman they're like Lois Lane oh yeah when I was little I used to be like I want to be her not that I want to be rescued by Superman but I was like she writes that's really cool <laughs> um, I think I might have quite liked Terry Hatcher actually at the time so I think, uh, we I probably have something did. in common there <laughs> yeah cool lady but <laughs> for very different reasons absolutely but, um, but yeah so when I went to uni. I did an English degree. I read English at Oxford University. And when I was there, kind of apart from my studies, obviously, I was writing all the time, but I did student radio because obviously podcast wasn't even a big thing then. So it was actually kind of radio was like the medium that you kind of communicated with. But I had a music show oh, and it was like about rock music. And we used to like invite live bands into the studio and we'd do all like crazy playlists. And we play everything from like 60s stuff to like the most modern music. And it, it all kind of mashed together and worked together. Um, so I did that, student radio and kind of student journalism. And then I left uni and I knew that I wanted to work in the media, but it was about 2008 when I graduated. So obviously, you know, Lehman's had crashed and there weren't very many graduate jobs and no magazines were really hiring. And I freelanced for a little bit and I worked for a publishing house. And then I ended up working by some kind of weird twist of fate for Buck Consultants, the, okay. the insurance broking firm. Um, so I was with them for quite a while and they taught me everything about sort of claims, underwriting, um, working with group risk and, and private medical insurance clients. I was with them for two years and then I was kind of like, well, I really enjoy what I work on, but I don't think the client facing stuff is really for me. I, I knew that I wanted to get back into writing. So I used to, again, a really weird twist of fate, I used to um, get Cover Magazine into the office. <laughs> it actually used to be delivered to me. I used to read um, Disease of the Month, which is, which is still a column that we run. And then I applied to Incisive Media. I didn't know too much about them. I, I didn't really have it in my mind that I wanted to work for Cover, but I went to the, the graduate day and they hired me. And I was working um, on pensions for quite a few years, about two, two and a half years. And obviously pensions was like really exciting because I was working writing about auto-enrolment a lot and um, all the kind of the big government-led changes and kind of seeing Steve Webb speak a lot. Yeah, and then after that, the role opened up on cover to be a reporter. So I was like balancing my time between writing out pensions and writing out protection. And then my editor, Paul Robertson, left cover and I interviewed for the role and then I got it. So that's kind of how I got to where I am now. Um, Yeah, it's uh, been quite an interesting ride, actually, because I don't think many other journalists work in finance first. I know you've got people like Stephen Womack, who are now finance advisor, but I've done things the other way around, but I kind of did client stuff and now I'm a journalist. It's, it's, it's quite an odd, odd thing to do, but yeah, so that's how I got into it. But I guess the things that really make me tick in terms of writing are kind of exploring like good practice in the industry okay, and kind of writing writing quite positively about news. I'm, sometimes I go to like awards news and stuff and I'll sit next to someone and they'll be like, oh, you're a journalist. Oh, don't write about me. <laughs> but that's that's not really my, my object that I kind of want to write quite fairly about the industry. And I want to Obviously, I want to expose where things are bad and they need work, but also I want to be quite positive because I think protection particularly, it's it's the underdog of the industry, but there's such good work. And I know that definitely since I've taken over on cover, I've been trying to do a lot more kind of human case studies and kind of things that are a bit more practical on day-to-day for advisors. And I uh-huh. hope that kind of comes across in some of the editorial choices that I've made since I've taken over, really. Um, I don't know what you think about that, Roger. I know that you work with Cover quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm just mm. sitting here thinking, I've, I can remember when Cover launched and, mm. and I was uh, I was working for Scottish Provident for the first time and I think I was yes. a, a product manager on the protection side. I'm trying to remember who the launch editor was. It was... Was that Lawrence Gosling? It was, Lawrence Gosling was, yes, he was the launch editor. And then 
then he's, there was, yeah, he's my editorial director now. He's right. a great guy. And then there was a lady called Catherine Tennant, uh, okay. and then there was Rachel something. Not the not the publisher Rachel, a different mm. Rachel, an Australian Rachel. And then of course there was Paul. Paul was around for quite a long time, and and, and now yourself. And, yeah. and and I think that you're you're absolutely right cover has always had that positive attitude I think when it comes to protection even Mm. when I mean I can remember and goodness me this must be going back to about the year 2000 I I ended up having to go on TV to defend the company I was working for because it had turned down a claim Mm. and of course the media were all over us at the time and and yes there was a a bit of a mistake made and and ultimately we had to pay the claim and and it was absolutely right that we had to pay the claim but quite a a lot of the national media and the pink trade press had a right go at us, whereas I remember Cover were relatively, uh, you know, positive about the the overall outcome. But then, as you say, if mm. there is genuine shenanigans going on, I think Cover, like anybody else, will will, will try to root that out. Yeah, I, I imagine the, the case that you mentioned where you had to go on TV and kind of defend protection. That I mean, we talk about this time and time again that consumers don't they think that you know insurers are out to get them and not pay claims but we know that I mean particularly now I know things have massively improved over the past 10 years or so but we know that insurers do want to to pay claims and they try and do as much to kind of put out that message but just publishing claim statistics as they're doing at the at the moment is that really the, the right way to do that I, I think, think that's the kind of ongoing debate we've been having for quite a long time too <laughs> I, th- I think the last statistics and I mentioned this on a podcast a couple of weeks ago mm. I think the latest statistic from the ABI was something like 97.9 or something like that yeah percentage of claims are paid throughout the protection industry and yet we know that the majority of the public still think that the figure's somewhere in the 38 to 50 mark which mm. is a massive massive discrepancy from reality so so as a journalist you, you've been writing predominantly on the trade side yes. and one of the messages that I've been trying to push out over the last couple of years since I left corporate life is we need to help push more positive stories out there H- how does the industry approach that how do we get the mainstream media to start reporting the positive stuff because I always say even if we get even if we get to the stage where we're paying 99.99% of claims Watchdog will still run a program on the 0.1% that gets declined how, how can we get the, the more positive messages out there in the mainstream media do you think well I think things like what seven families have been doing recently I mean that's really positive it's it's more about kind of showing case studies and what I spoke about um, a few moments ago the kind of the human aspect of it yeah because whenever you put out statistics, well, people are always going to question that statistic, aren't they? Yeah. But if you actually put out real real life case studies, and I think if you engage with, with social media better and use, use more things like infographics and, and videos, and there's a really good hashtag this week, actually. Um, it was called like kind of live, live life protect. I think it was as a campaign uh-huh. that's kind of um, spearheaded by Maz. A money advice service this week and I think things like that 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 make it a lot more real that it's not a statistic this is actually a person's story or a group of people um, coming together to discuss that actually this is how protection has changed their lives I mean I know that I've been talking to um, Johnny Timpson quite a lot about yes. life happens in, in America and they do big awareness campaigns about disability insurance as they call income protection or life insurance and they make great use of they have particular weeks dedicated to a particular as I said particular product or 
but and they use really kind of great marketing techniques as well you know videos again case studies things like that and I, I think it just makes it a lot more a lot less scary and kind of mystifies the process for people so I, I think yeah I think I got a, a message on a, one of the news consolidation apps I have on my iPhone I think Friday the 11th was actually National Life Insurance Day in yeah. the United States of America yeah it was and there was loads of news items going across all the newspapers in the states and, and of course they were relatively positive yeah and maybe that's maybe one of the natural progressions from seven seven families is that we should try to promote not maybe not a seven families day but again a national protection day or something like that yeah and i can't see why that a lot of you know if you look at all the different major pr kind of hubs and all the big companies if they just put out content on that one day or if everyone tweeted into something like something like a thunderclap where you will tweet at once a particular message a thunderclap i really like that idea yeah a social like media that. thunderclap yeah Excellent. It's, it's a really cool idea and i think things like that could really if you if you've got protection trending on on twitter for example mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. that could that could really improve matters i think we maybe have to think of something other than protection though i know i know people that would might look a bit dodgy, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, somebody once said to me, I think it was Alan Newman, said financial rescue was a better de- terminology than protection. Financial rescue, I quite like that. That's a quite a good one, actually. Yeah. Like, you could do lots of really cool imagery around that, couldn't you? Well, like, I had it in my and... that exactly, international financial rescue, and you've got <laughs> you've got Thunderbirds on your back, haven't you, straight away? <laughs> so moving on and thinking about Cover Magazine specifically, but maybe thinking about edit- being an editor of a financial publication in general, general what what's the what's your sort of average day like fiona how do you gather your news and how do you how do you sift through the news and how do you commission articles how do you structure an issue of cover magazine that's a really good question i mean no two days are really the same we've had our quiet period recently so there hasn't been a, a lot of news uh-huh. but um as much as there has been but this week already that we're getting a lot more press releases in a lot more phone calls but i guess the main ways that we do get news are we get press releases, we get different PR firms, whether they're in-house or from agencies that represent a particular client bringing us up um, and trying to either place a story or saying, do you want to speak to someone from our particular company? Yeah. And that always generates stories. Sometimes not the story that they might have had in mind when they <laughs> set you guys up, but but yeah. And then lots of industry gossip as well. There's lots kind of going on behind the scenes and I have quite a few trusted sources who will tell me things off the record mostly. And that's kind of stuff that we have to follow up and verify. And then going to obviously big conferences as well. That's a good way of getting news. For example, the protection review, um, that we went to, I mean, that's a few months ago now, but on the day that there were so many great speakers there that we were constantly writing news stories and we were getting them, like, I was kind of like running in and out of the auditorium and kind of putting the news on on the site as live, like about 10, 15 minutes after the person said the quote or we would tweet stuff. And so, yeah, so there's lots of different ways you do get news, but I guess with the trade press, we do rely heavily, as I said before, on, on press releases because yes. most of it is about company launches or new products and new policies and you know changes in that regard. In terms of my day, I could talk about this week a little bit because, as I said, no two weeks are the same. So this week I've got quite a few meetings, both internal and external. Um, tomorrow I'm meant to be interviewing one family CEO and we're talking to him about the kind of merger of Engage Mutual and how his ideas around what a modern mutual looks like that's right. what i'm interviewing him on 
And then I'm doing a voiceover for our app that's launching quite soon. It's like an instruction kind of voiceover. Okay. And then writing news, putting our magazine together. Um, magazine, again, I sort of, we commission a lot of pieces um, from the industry. Not so many from freelancers. We have two freelancers that work on the magazine, one of which is yourself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one is obviously Richard Walsh, who um, he's a, a kind of real health expert. But it's mostly when I commission something I tend to be off the back of meetings that someone might say something interesting and I'll say oh would you like to write a further 1400 word pieces on that as a feature or do you want to write a blog on that and do you want to be a bit controversial with it you know so it's yeah no I said it's very very varied what, what I do um and then putting the magazine together because obviously we work both on print and online so the magazine's quite quite a big task because there's lots of different people that work on it we've got sub editors art workers all the rest of it so it kind of takes us maybe about two two and a half three weeks to put the magazine together right that takes up a big chunk of my time and does every does everything that goes into the print copy go onto the internet or do you have exclusive stuff on in print and exclusive stuff on the on the web i've kind of changed my direction a little bit i think throughout the year so at first i tried not to have too much crossover between the print magazine and online but now i've recognized that a lot of people aren't necessarily reading the print magazine anymore so I've tried to put a lot more pieces online as well. But there are some things that won't work on um, online at all. For example, we do a big survey in the back of the magazine and it has massive tables. And at, at the moment, I can't see how that will quite work because our CMS system is quite limited. Right. And then I like to have exclusive content to make sure that people are still really keeping up to date with the print magazine too, because it's, it's a really valuable resource. And most people say that they really like it still. Um, which is quite uncommon in this age that everyone's kind of moving online only. So yeah, so a bit of both. But as I said, I've kind of changed my tack a little bit and that I think that now we've got an app coming out that I think I'll put, I'll try and put a lot more stuff from the print magazine online as well so okay. people can make sure that they can read it wherever they, they want to really. And I want to explore a little bit more about the app. But before that, just something that occurred to me by something that you said just before, and this is a topic that's come up on the Empath podcast before and, and something that I think is really quite important. You mentioned that you have a series of, of spokespeople who will give you inside information, will mm. tip you off about gossip. Yes. And, and, and there's always that group of people within each sector of the industry. So with protection, we have certain spokespeople. Within pensions, there are certain spokespeople. Investments, the same thing. Mm. One of the things that I've always been trying to encourage advisors to do, and this is when I was working at Royal London and now as an independent, is to try and to get more advisors in a position where they're happy to talk to journalists, yes. either to give comment or indeed, as you said, to write a blog or to write a, a, an opinion piece or something like that. But it, it does seem to be quite a difficult thing to get some of them to do. I, I, I don't know mm. whether it's what you said before when you sat, sat next to somebody at an awards dinner. Maybe there's that slight hesitation because I don't want to say anything that's then going to be on the front page. But ultimately, you're not you're not one to trip people up. You're looking for decent stories, you're looking for good copy. And it's a good opportunity for an advisor, whether it's in a mm. one-man band or, a, or somebody who works for a network, to actually really promote themselves in, in the media. I think it's a lot of issues why advisors might not engage with us. I mean, obviously, the, the, fear, the fear factor or compliance as well, particularly if they work for a bigger firm or a network, they, they might be quite worried that they might end up kind of annoying someone but then also I think time as well when you speak to advisors they always say that sometimes I'll, I'll ring advisors up and I might approach them for the first time or I might have met them at 
the conference they've given me their card for example but yeah. they might say oh I'm really busy I don't have time I'm really sorry and they sound genuinely apologetic they're not kind of being rude to you or whatever but they, you can tell that they're genuinely very stressed and they've got something major going on that week so I think that's a big factor but yeah. again I mean it's an easy form of a marketing and PR for them that they do want to talk to us a bit more um, but also I suppose it's access as well that how do we get to, to, to know more advisors if we're not meeting them face to face or yes. they don't email me i mean my email address is very prominent in the front page of the magazine i'm always trying to encourage people to get in touch with me and i'll put stuff out on twitter and i'm trying to encourage people to talk to me but but yeah it is quite a challenge and as i said to you before about compliance um the social media piece particularly advisors are really scared of of that and the fta hasn't made it easy for them to engage and i think the new rules around social media um or financial promotions has, has made it a bit more difficult for them. So I think that maybe the regulator might have more of a role to play in kind of helping advisors engage with, with the old media, the trade press and, and the new media too. One of the biggest challenges is that obviously as a journalist today, you've got to be like a jack of all trades and work across all the different platforms that, that I mentioned earlier and do lots of different things. And But our team's tiny. I don't think people realise sometimes, apart from people that know us quite well, that covers only myself and my reporter Thomas Smith and right. he came on as a graduate to cover about what was it, exactly a year ago it's his work anniversary well we'd like to be everywhere at once and kind of cover a lot of things in a bit more depth but sometimes we can't so I, I would like to kind of use your podcast as a plea to to advisors like as we kind of discussed earlier to come forward to us and kind of share more ideas and and just provide us some more great content so we can cover some of the things that we might not have time to throughout the working week for example one one example is obviously you know um, the mortgage commission mm-hmm. that's going to affect protection and i think that's really interesting but i haven't had time to to write a feature on that as yet and i will but sometimes when things are kind of really timely and breaking you'd like to know that there are more people that might come forward with ideas and I think that's the thing, really. That I'd like to, I'd like readers to kind of help us shape, cover a bit more to be to suit what they want. Because sometimes you kind of feel like you're you're working in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. But again, as I said with a small team, you can only do so much. But, so mm. everybody listening to the podcast, that's an open invitation from Fiona to get in touch, pick up the phone, email, yeah. use Twitter, and and what we'll do is at the end of the podcast, we'll um, you, you can tell everyone how they can get in touch with you. So mm. thinking about the thinking about the the, the way forward, you, you've mentioned the the app. Um, yeah. we, we met in London for a coffee last week and you were explaining to me that uh, you've got the print version, there is the website, but yep. uh, the owners of Incisive Media are very keen, obviously, on digital technology mm-hmm. and have been encouraging you to to explore an app for Cover Magazine. So give us a little bit of background about what this entails and what it's going to look like and, and how it's different from the print and online version. Sure. So I suppose sort of the caveat for, for people who might be listening who regularly read cover, um, our parent company is Incisive Media and we got taken over by a kind of a private equity firm called Alchemy Partners and they're really pus- pushing us to grow in lots of different ways. And this is one of the things that we're looking at doing to kind of grow our online presence and it's a live app. And it'll be launching in the next three weeks, look at the date, yeah, about three weeks time. Um, okay. And basically what it is, is that everything, all our stories from online all get pulled into this app and they're stored there for about 30 days. And it's any pieces of content, really. So it's, it's quite a good resource for advisors because say they're going on a long train journey, they don't have Wi-Fi, they're bored as hell, as I know that I am <laughs> on train journeys. You know, they might even not even have access to 3G, for example, but they can pull out the app and 
they can go through cover and if there's any research that they wanted to do or they want to double check anything I think it's quite good because I said all our stories are going to be stored there and it's quite it's got really good functionality as well you kind of swipe and it's optimised very well too so it looks good Is there multimedia as a video in there and audio? Or is there it will all, be yeah Yeah that's quite yeah. interesting you just said already that you'd done a, a voiceover for it so, so what sort of content can we expect in the app then? I've been thinking, well, should we start putting a lot more longer content on there? More in-depth features, um, more analysis pieces, more product reviews, things that are a bit longer that can capture their attention for longer as Mm -hmm. as they, they journey or as, you know, whatever they're doing with the app. So that's something that I need to start looking at really as we launch it and kind of testing out is will readers start adapting to more long form pieces because with digital media in recent years people have kind of started to read shorter and shorter in um things online but and and watch shorter videos but as you know with podcasts people are kind of now coming back to to listen to things for longer watching things for longer so yeah it's, it's gonna be quite an interesting few weeks few months for us there's so mm. much talk isn't there about the optimum length of an article the optimum mm. length of the video and yes there are a lot of people who say oh a video can't be more than two minutes a podcast shouldn't be more than longer than 20 minutes and an article shouldn't be more than 300 words yeah. and i'm sure that from an average point of view that's true but i do also think there are people out there who do like to listen to yeah. i mean i i listen to a pod several american podcasts each week and some episodes are about an hour and ten minutes yeah. you know i actually um have to have to have my headphones in when i'm in the bath or something like that in order to pack it all in um and and people do like reading those in-depth articles as well i suppose as long as there's maybe sort of some sort of box out executive summary or something like that for the people who are time poor mm-hmm. then that, that that's that rich content is is always going to appeal to somebody i think and we've covered the publications so we've put, covered cover the magazine we've covered cover the online uh, Mm. website we've covered the forthcoming app what we really need to talk about now is of course the cover forum which is your annual conference and the associated awards dinner that goes with it i can remember again speaking at the very first cover forum goodness knows how long ago oh, wow. that, that was and, and, and again it just shows how times have changed because I, I was Mr. PowerPoint in those days but I, I think I, I turned up my and my presentation was called something like the ultimate protection sales ideas and I remember the audio visual guy says Mr. Edwards you've got 185 slides here and you've only got 11 minutes or whatever it was 18 minutes are you really seriously going to use all of those slides I said trust me I know what I'm doing and I went up on the stage and I went through these slides like absolute clappers it was like one slide every couple of seconds it was unbelievable did you have time to breathe when you were doing I, I it I think I think I was on oxygen afterwards to, to recover <laughs> and of course I'm, I'm completely opposite now 10 years down the line I don't even use PowerPoint at all in fact when I when I present these days I very very rarely even use slides but I've yeah. got fond memories of those early um, cover forums which were at the brewery on Chiswell street but of course now it's bigger oh one 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 thing actually is we've rebranded it so it's called the cover summit to reflect the, the fact it's a bit bigger okay so, so our keynote the first one is um going to be a chap who's the new head of public affairs at the abi right and he's been talking a lot about obviously the abi's view of things and a lot about improving kind of working age health and i think that's a real theme that's going to permeate throughout the day that um we're going to be looking at things like you know employee benefits 
um, sickness and disability, like we'll have Scottish widows actually talking for the first time in a very, very long time about working age welfare and the kind of the moving to more kind of financial resilience. Yes. That would be quite interesting. I wonder um, whether they'll tell us the launch date. Oh, God, I know, I know. <laughs> We've all been hearing different things, haven't we? Who else have we got? So we've got Jorik as well, and I think they're speaking on business protection, which again is a big a big trend that I think companies are really, really pushing this year. Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot more activity around business protection of late. Um, we've even done some recent research into it, so that's pretty cool. Oh, the other really good keynote right in the day is going to be Patrick McIntosh, and he's the the advisor who trekked to the South Pole to raise awareness about critical illness. Right. Because um, he was a cancer sufferer uh-huh. and he obviously beat it, and then he raised quite a lot of money for different charities, and he worked with, with, with Aegon as well, so that's something that I'm quite excited about, because he's a really great speaker, and how many of us can say that we've gone to the South Pole, you know, and, and, and why? It was such a good cause as well. And how it impacted his, his and how, you know, illness impacted his, his business. I mean, he's the owner of a, an IFA fat. So I think that'd be quite, again, going back to the whole case study idea, I think that'd be something that will really resonate with financial advisors in the room. So those are my real highlights. We've also got something else I'm quite excited about. It's obviously people like Underwrite Me will be talking. Right. And Exit to Family Friendly, they'll be talking about disruption in the protection market. Okay. So that's something that everyone's been talking about this year quite a lot is is disruptors change where's that going to come from um how are we going to adapt into this new world that has you know the likes of uber and airbnb and how can protection insurance go down that route so i'm sure that's something that probably come up quite a bit and then there's a few panel sessions as well and one's on pmi right and that's something a bit different this year because i think covers quite known for being protection title and we do touch on health quite a bit but last year's program was quite empty in terms of pmi right but obviously with the ipt increase you know we've really got to talk about it and make sure the advisors in the room are really engaged um because it's such a big change um so yeah th- those are my real highlights and there's lots of other things going to be going on throughout the day and then the awards in the evening again they'll be at the victoria plaza which is the same place where obviously the, the summit's held and the shortlists have been announced and yeah i can't really say too much more this stage obviously got to keep my lips absolutely tight because we've done all the judging sealed absolutely sealed um, but yeah I'm really excited and be a good chance for everyone to kind of get together and network and catch up and yeah, drink a lot of uh, beer and wine. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> it all sounds very interesting. Certainly, certainly interested in hearing Patrick's story. I think again, it's one of my little hobby horses. But I think storytelling is the future mm. of uh, financial services marketing. The more positive stories we can get out there, the better. Again, disruption is a great word. And uh, I was sat down today uh, trying to draft a speech that I'm doing at the Protect Association in a couple of weeks' time and disruption was a word that came up and funnily enough I was thinking about Airbnb and Uber myself so I think we do need somebody somewhere to do something a little bit different in the protection market you know just to see if they can shake things up a bit yeah no definitely yeah and I think that's why the likes of Beagle Street for example being quite I wouldn't say you use the word popular but they they definitely kind of stick out in people's minds don't they for example like um, I was sitting with a friend of mine a few weeks well, it's a few months back now, but it kind of really stuck with me because we were watching TV and we were hanging out and we have like a glass of wine. And she said to me, like, the, the, you know, the Beagle Street, the Gremlins, yeah. that came on the TV. And she said to me, she pointed at she was like, you write about that stuff, don't you? And I was like, yeah, like, how did you know? And she was like, I, she was like, oh, the Gremlins. And I remember you telling me about it before. And like, because normally I think my friends sometimes switch off when I tell them what I write about. <laughs> um, but that's something that she remembered and she kept seeing this advert and she kind of said that now she sh- associated the ground with me. Yeah. So I was kind of like, thanks. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> 
Fiona, that's been a fascinating canter through what is actually quite a, a big role that you've got now. Um, mm. Editing a publication isn't easy by all accounts. You've got to find the stories, you've got to commission the stories, either from press releases, from ideas that you hear at conferences, from ideas that you hear from having meetings with people. You've got to shape the magazine, you've got to create the articles, you've got to create the, the analysis, and then you've got to effectively split that between the printed magazine, the online magazine, and soon the app. So there's a lot of stuff there. And, and, and I think earlier in the podcast, you said that you were you were very keen for people to get in touch and to help you with that. Um, and we will give you everyone your contact details. But before we get to that, I always like to finish the podcast with a quick fire round of business questions. So Fiona, here we go. What's the one thing that you would change about the financial services industry if someone gave you a magic wand to wave? I would get more younger people interested in it. So people in their 20s, particularly renters. Fiona, what's the one business model, or it could be a product or a marketing campaign, that's caught your attention in the last year? Tell us what it was and what you liked about it. I really like um, Lifestyle Care Cover by Vitality because it's kind of aimed at, well, mostly kind of people that, you know, they might have had a condition like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's, mm-hmm. and they can use the money whatever they want. You can have a particular proportion of the money within the policy to pay for, for care needs, for example. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. And with the ageing population, protection definitely needs to look at how it can kind of interplay with protection a bit more. And other firms have talked about doing this as well, um, AIG and Jurek. Um, so we shall see how the industry kind of reacts to that. Tell us about an app or a gadget that's made a huge difference to your working life. Um, I don't know if it's really an app, but Google Analytics is absolutely amazing. Um, I installed that in October and I took over because mm-hmm. I had no idea what stories people liked or what they were reading or when or where and that's made such a big difference to us in, kind of time, in terms of like tailoring our stories because I, I can see that X amount of people are reading it at this time and they like these kinds of um, stories so that's yeah let's kind of work on these a bit more um, and it's kind of help again as I said trying to create the magazine that readers really want I think that's a real tool in helping us shape the, the editorial direction of the magazine what's the best business book you've ever read tell us why you like it so much and what you took from oh, it so that's a really hard one like the last business book I can remember reading this is a really long time ago, ago now was Freakonomics it's by a chap I think his name is Stephen Levitt that's the one um, and it was kind of about like the kind of the rogue economics kind of things that you might not think about and I think the reason that's such a successful book is that it makes you think about financial services and economics in a completely different way and it kind of puts it on, it, on its head. Um, so I think that's the thing I took away from it. But shakes I can't remember too many details up. because it's been so many, many years since I've read it. Yeah, it, it, it yeah. shakes up your thinking quite a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. So Fiona, before we sign off, I think there's going to be people who want to get in touch with you. You've already said earlier in the podcast that you're looking for ideas, you're looking for stories, you're looking for anything that would allow you to create content for cover in all its guises. So what's the best way that people should get in touch with you? Oh, um, email. So fiona.murphyincisivemedia.com or Twitter. I'm cover underscore Fiona. So tweet at me. Um, or add me on LinkedIn. I'm Fiona Murphy, editor of Cover Magazine. I'm there somewhere. Yeah, all those ways. I'm happy for people to get in touch with me using those. Fantastic. Fiona, what I will do is I'll put your contact details in the show notes for this podcast. Yeah, and people can find that at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF. Fiona, thank you so much for taking up some of your evening to come on the podcast and talking to me. It's been fascinating to chat and 
let me wish you every success for the future of Cover Magazine, of the app, and of course, the summit, which is coming up in the next few weeks. Thank you very much, Roger. It's been a real pleasure. Have a great evening. For listening to the Marketing Protection and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. If you are a provider or advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model you'd like to talk about, please get in touch. You can be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's all just thoughts and opinions, okay? Okay.